On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com for auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Carlos, my man, is live at SEN headquarters. I cannot believe Warney's beaten you to be the king of Moomba. <laughs> well, I'm the king here is sitting in the studio. The host chair is the king's chair. I'm wearing the king's robes and the crown right now, Richinio. And uh, oh. I feel like I should be thrown to you as my correspondent over there at Huntingdale. Well, that's right. I can tell you that it's, uh, it's warm conditions here. The players are uh, struggling in the heat. Um, that's all I've got as an update. I've got a leaderboard with uh, a player is at uh, six under through 18, and that is a player by the name of Fox is the leaderboard. We don't have the real leaderboard right here in front of me at the moment, so I can't talk a lot about uh, the golf here. I can talk a lot about what's happening with Warney and uh, the Bollywood actress, both <laughs> being uh, king and queen of Moomba. But I don't necessarily know much else about what's happening here at Huntingdale, except for it is beautiful out here, and we're missing you, my brother. Yes, uh, look, I uh, would have loved to have got there, uh, but uh, unfortunately, timing uh, just, uh, just uh, allowed me to come in here. But I'm sure when uh, someone's putting on the 18th there, Richo, you could just give us a bit of a whisper commentary. Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, if you could Especially do that. Just, 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 because, of course, that doesn't happen in world football at all. No one whispers anything in no. world football. We just yell it the whole time. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> let's go through a couple of the big issues in the in the world game. And I just chatted to uh, Ed White about these the rights for EPL. Can you believe <laughs> the rights that the last team in the EPL will pocket £100 million with top teams getting uh, £200 million plus. So uh, the EPL rights deal will be worth more than five billion yeah. pounds. Yeah, that's uh, between two sixteen and two nineteen. I heard Ed was talking about this, uh, and of course, that's what that's what Sky Sports and also BT in the UK are paying for the rights. So that's their cost. Having a little bit of a financial background myself over the years, when you're paying that sort of money, you've got a margin, you've got a profit margin too. That's right. What do they hope to make out of this thing? Obviously, they've got a lot of experience uh, in that in the field of uh, spending money uh, for TV rights yeah, and then making money on it. But I just wonder how much of it nowadays is just having the product and uh, and maybe having that product might might spread across the other parts of the business that might make money rather than that product itself. It's hard to believe. And, and again, I don't know what the industry is. I know it's a global industry. I know you can go anywhere around the world, any country, and uh, you can be anywhere in, uh, in any poverty-stricken part of the world and they're wearing an Arsenal top or a Man U top or you know a Liverpool top and they're generally watching EPL football somewhere in, in the town or the village, somewhere uh, in, in their region. So uh, there's... Obviously, there's uh, you know the marketing men, the sponsorship men. They can put values on this. There's formulas for these things, and somehow they're making money, even though they're outlaying such huge amounts of money. It is extraordinary, isn't it? Five billion dollars uh, for 2016 through to 19, which is 60% higher than the 2013 to 2016 
rights fee. And you make a really solid point. They'd be doing that and then they'll be making money. So what sort of uh, revenue are they able to generate on the back of uh, the English Premier League, which is just going from strength to strength? Um, a man who was a star there, of course, is uh, Tim Cale. Um, he won't be a star in the EPL anymore. He'll be a star over in China. Your first thoughts, you guys on the Four Diego's have probably chatted about this time and time again since the announcement. Yeah. His comments last week about it's more beneficial to Australia playing in China rather than playing in the A-League. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, we had a whole uh, hour of this debate. Uh, we didn't plan to go for the whole hour last Wednesday night, but it just got everyone fired up, uh, SMSs and uh, and the phone calls. Uh, it, it's all about you know the people in, in the camp, the A-League camp, uh, suggesting that uh, he, you know, he would be better off, or Australia's football would be better off if he was playing here. He'd be packing out stadiums, especially if he was playing really well. The uh, the traction he would get on TV and radio and, and all the other endorsements and uh, all the kiddies watching him day in, day out and going yeah. to watch him train. I mean, the, the, the value there would be fantastic for the A-League. But what Timmy's saying is that he's an ambassador for football. He's an Australian ambassador for football. And he was an ambassador for football in, at New York. And he's an ambassador for football in China. And through the contacts he makes, that's better for a Australian football. I'd love to throw it out there to the listeners. Uh, mm. is, t- is Australian football better off having Timmy Cale playing in the A-League and playing well week in, week out for a big team uh, that packs out stadiums either in, either in Sydney or Melbourne? We won't worry about Adelaide or, or Brisbane or any of those. Uh, but uh, Sydney or Melbourne, uh, either with Sydney FC or West Sydney Wanderers or Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory, uh, or over in China where uh, he does the job of a diplomat. And uh, yeah. and, uh, and maybe uh, support Julie uh, Bishop rather than uh, directly, uh, you know, helping Australian football. I'd love it's, to throw it out there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, nine four two nine eleven sixteen or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Which would you prefer as a fan of the World Game? Well, Carlos, which one would you prefer? I'd love him in the A League, to tell you the truth. I mean, yes, uh, of course he's over there, and uh, but he's out of sight and out of mind. We won't get the games necessarily every week. Uh, kids won't get onto the uh, onto the internet and read his match reports every week. But if he's here and scoring goals, I mean, he's on the Channel Nine News. He'll be on the Channel Seven News if he ever says anything. I mean, they everyone rocked up. All the media rocked up to his uh, uh, launch of a New Balance. Uh, yeah. Uh, his sponsorship just the other day. It's linked to his Foxtel Academy, and uh, so suddenly, you know, all the media was there. They spoke a little bit about the endorsement uh, or the sponsorship and the rest was about his football so uh, like I said the kiddies can go and watch him train everyone can watch him week in week out playing great football and he's still a great player as we saw in the Asian Cup he can add so much to any team and you know a, a team like Melbourne Victory if he was to come to Melbourne I don't think he would but if he, if he was to come to Melbourne a team like Melbourne Victory would then uh, you know sell out Eddie Had every yeah. week um, a team like Melbourne City would, you know, uh, exponentially uh, increase their crowd two and three times over. Uh, Sydney FC suddenly might, you know, they keep on calling themselves the biggest club in the, in the in Australia. Well, they might show it by way of attendances. Of course, West Sydney Wanderers can't get much bigger, but you know, the buzz around that would uh, almost double too. So, uh, for me, I, you know, for me. He, being in Australia is the is the only way he could really genuinely add value to Australian football. Well, let's let's cut through a little bit of the BS because as much as I, I mean I love Timmy Cale, mm. I think he is an icon. Surely, surely it's a money issue. Yeah. Surely we couldn't offer him the money that they could. Now, whether or not that's a salary cap issue or whether or not they couldn't commit all that money to one player, you could argue so strongly for the good of the game 
that the governing body could add an element on top of whatever his salary is to fit into any sort of salary cap to as a marketing uh, a marketing ploy, a marketing expenditure to make it more competitive for him to come and play at home. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, uh, you know, another thing he said last week, and he said a few things that sort of raised a few eyebrows since the Asian Cup. Uh, and one thing he said last week that he that A League was never a consideration because no one actually offered him a it made him a serious offer. And uh, then it came out that Sydney had gave, had offered him Del Piero money. I mean, uh, with Alessandro right. Del Piero had moved on, he was going to be uh, basically the uh, the marquee for them. And uh, they offered him you know Del Piero money money that you know one of the greatest players ever to play the game accepted. Uh, where he could have had uh, offers anywhere around the world, so uh, maybe bending bending the reality there a little bit with Timmy. Uh, of course, realistic for him in China is nine point six million in in the nine months with, yeah. with bonuses and incentives. So, um, yeah, it, what sort of money could he get here? Well, if if Sydney were, were correct and no one's refuted yeah. it uh, by coming out anywhere between two and four million a year. Okay, so it's nine point six versus yeah. two point four. Now that two point four could be boosted up yeah. with some sort of a uh, marketing levy. And then when do we get to the line in someone's career that we say, you know what, I just want to put a bit back into the grassroots of where I started my whole journey. I'm financially extremely comfortable. Hey, it's easy for me to sit here in the ivory tower and uh, make these decisions on his behalf. I don't know if I would ever be enough in a position to knock back two, three, four million dollars. But when does the actual, when do you kick in and say, listen, I just want to give a little bit back. Hey, Paul in Flemington's got an opinion on this, uh, uh, Carlos. So uh, let's hear from Paul. Hey, guys. Just do a Tiger Woods state government, they come up with a team million bucks. He goes to Melbourne Victory, everyone would be happy and it would just be fantastic for the game. Yeah, that, that's a great idea and people have uh, offered that uh, uh, that option or that alternative out there, Paul. But what happens is if they do it for Timmy, suddenly any you know iconic Australian basketballer or um, a golfer, uh, would maybe they'll be looking for those similar sort of deals. Now, the government might turn around and say, Melbourne major events might turn around and say, well, that's great for the economy. Let's do it. Let's have this Let's have this, uh, this plan to start doing this with individuals. Uh, I know they brought Tiger Woods over for the Australian Open, I believe, in, in golf uh, a few years ago, and they bankrolled that. Uh, but it's really few and far between, and you just wonder uh, whether the government would do that and how they could justify it, especially in these tight economic times. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about economic impact, isn't it? You know, if, if Timmy Cole coming to Melbourne and filling stadiums and him having a program during the week where he gets out in the communities and, and, does, and runs those grassroots programs that you're talking about Richo, uh, you know that that certainly might be uh, it, it might be justified as as adding to the economic impact of the state. So good point, Paul. But I'm not sure whether they're going to go down that track. I know you could no doubt you could justify, it, but then wouldn't each state government be able to justify one player, and then suddenly a any sort of color, salary caps now thrown out the window, isn't it? So. Um, anyway, yeah. fascinating topic. Uh, we'll, uh, of course, take your calls on that and a whole lot more. 9429 1116. Carlos Alberto Diego <laughs> is in the house. We're talking the world game. Carlos Alberto Diego, the superstar, is in SEN Towers. Well, I'm here live from the Huntingdale Golf Course for the 2015 Victorian PGA, hosted by SEN 1116 and also Mercedes Benz Truck and Bus. Carlos, uh, this off the SMS, Anonymous, asking a question that I'm sure a lot of people out there are interested in. Why couldn't Melbourne City Footy Club uh, buy Cahill? Got all the money in the world. 
Yeah, but they've already got the marquee players already sorted out. That's the problem. So you can't, uh, you know, obviously when he became, well, the, the hype around Timmy's always been there, but really it, it just went up a couple of extra levels after the Asian Cup. And of course, they'd already committed to Josh Kennedy coming back and he had his first run on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a structural issue, I think. Uh, if the timing was right and uh, and Timmy made himself available at the time and, and you know, and they hadn't maybe committed. I think that the whole Josh Kennedy thing's been muted for a long time, yep. and uh, and this is the, the. I think that you know when you start talking to a player about getting him over, and it's been going on for maybe eight to ten months, uh, and then Timmy comes available. I think Sydney started talking to Timmy straight after the World Cup. Uh, maybe the timing wasn't right for Melbourne City, but certainly they have got the funds to do that. Uh, it would have been a big statement if they had done that. Frank's on the road. Wants to chat about uh, Timmy Kale. G'day, Frank. Yeah, good afternoon, boys. How are we? Terrific. Um, look, I think we need to carefully listen to the language that Timmy Cahill uses. And he, he said that no realistic offer had been made. So, um, yeah, we now know that, there's, yes, there was an offer. But for him, there was no realistic offer by comparison to what was going on in China. So, look, I think he's entitled to do what he's doing at the moment. And because, as you said before, Richo, he's an icon of the game in Australia, then he will add value at some stage, and it may not be immediate, but I'm, I'm, I guarantee that he will come back and actually add some value in some form, whether it's playing, poaching, uh, academy's tuition, etc. So I wonder if you agree. Yeah, well, Frank, you know, I, I, I really, I think he's already added an enormous value. His performances in the Asian Cup uh, the amount of kids that would have been watching that and said, I want to be Timmy Cale, I want to play for the Socceroos. This team is fantastic. They've really uh, really uh, captured my imagination and I want to become a Socceroo when I grow up. I mean, that would have been enormous, that impact. So for me, you know, it's a, if, compared to China, I want him here. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's what I... But really, the value he's given Australian football just purely for his, from his performances with the green and gold, uh, if that's what, where, where it ends, uh, I'm quite happy with that because a whole generation of kids, uh, boys and girls, will want to play the game because of Timmy Cale and what he did in the Asian Cup. Great call, Frank. Uh, stay on the line or we'll call you back. Um, you've won two bottles of wine, one red and one white, thanks to AR Property Investments. We solve the property investment puzzle for you and also a copy of the AFL Prospectus 2015 available online at championdata.com.au or at news agencies. Plus two beautiful, magnificent, succulent, Bataki Australian League hams available at Woolworths and Coles. All coming your way to Francesco, who is on the road. That's what I do. Uh, Carlos, I just add a little bit of mayonnaise to each and every name during this hour that I am with you. Hey, 3-0, was that a fair reflection victory versus City on the weekend? Oh, yeah. and In fact, it could have been greater scoreline. I've got to say that uh, for a derby, uh, victory came to play and they only really played in second gear in the end and, and City just didn't turn up. And uh, and that's just not my opinion. I mean, John Van Skip's press conference after the game really spelt out the, the frustration he must be feeling right now. I mean, last week they were terrific against West Sydney Wanderers uh, in the games leading up to the Asian Cup, except for that one just on the eve of the Asian Cup against Central Coast up there at Gosford where they were really poor. They started stringing together some really uh, hard-fought wins. Uh, they started really knuckling down. Uh, and I know that the, the, that the coaching staff there at City are, uh, are working a lot, are working the players a lot harder. There's a lot less negotiable, uh, you, know, uh, you know, ways of going about training. And, uh, and 
that really had shown at different times. But every now and again, they'll come up with this these timid efforts. And uh, that would have been really disappointing for Melbourne City fans on the weekend because as much as uh, Melbourne Victory were terrific, and uh, we can talk about them, I really want to spend some t- time talking about them. But Melbourne City just didn't turn up to play. And... Uh, and I know they've got some young guys in midfield with Moy and Melling who I really like both those boys, uh, but they were shut down and, and other guys didn't uh, really didn't come to the party. And it wasn't necessarily when they had the ball that was the problem; it's where they didn't have the ball. And they uh, and they, I know that they've got a pressing plan, or you know the way they try and pressurise opposition, and they just didn't do that at all well. And uh, Ian Ramsey was certainly. Someone who had the who paid the price for that in the first thirty minutes of the game, and you don't usually get players subbed off yeah. uh, for effort or for for doing not not the right thing in the first half. You usually wait till half time, but he was obviously so poor uh, by the standards set by the coaching staff there that they took him off and put David Williams on. So a lot went wrong, and uh, they were they just they just didn't have the aggression in their game that that Derby really calls for, Richo, and uh, and that was a disappointing thing. But victory was fantastic. Update on two of the big names of Australian football over the years. One is a current player in Josh Kennedy. What did you make of his debut for Melbourne City? And also a one that, uh, well, that's locked in in Australian sporting history in John Aloisi, <laughs> as we called when he scored that uh, famous goal to get us into the World Cup, the penalty, of course. He's now in a development coaching role with Victory. Give us an update on both of them. Yeah, well, firstly, Josh Kennedy coming on. So good to see him play in Australia again. I think the last time he played was 15 years ago for Carlton in the old NSL. Oh. And, uh, and he's only a kid before he went over to Germany to play and uh, he's just forged a fantastic career overseas. He's a terrific Socceroos, great scoring record for the Socceroos. Just injury in the last few years have really uh, curtailed his impact for the Socceroos but uh, it's great to see him back in Australia and um, look, they've got a, this clearly got a lot of work to do to be able to service this goal machine that they've got in the squad. He, he had one half chance and nearly scored, uh, but really the rest of it, you could just see they struggled with how they were going to service him and how they're going to get the best out of him. Uh, when they got a little bit desperate towards the end, they just started hooking it up forward because he's a ba- bit of a baby giraffe, Richinio. They yeah. just throw it up in the air and he'll be able to, And it just doesn't work that way. He's actually quite good with the ball at his feet too. So there's a fair bit of work to do there. And John Van Skip has said that too. So you've got to sort of cut him some slack on that. Uh, but as far as the Johnny Aloysius thing, that's a fantastic pickup by Melbourne Victory. They've got a guy who's uh, one of the all-time greats of Australian football, played in the three uh, big leagues in the world. Uh, well, I mean, people throw in Germany there too, but I mean, three big leagues in England, uh, Spain, and also Italy. Had a fantastic career, scored goals everywhere he went, scored goals for the Socceroos, came back to Australia, had a good final couple of years with Melbourne uh, Heart in those days. Uh, and then... Uh, had the youth team role at Melbourne Heart and within 12 months elevated to the senior role way too quick. Not yeah, ready. too soon. Yeah, not ready. And uh, his, uh, his record really wasn't that good. And in the end, they sacked him in December of 2013. It's been good seeing him uh, on Fox uh, talking about the analysis of games and so forth. And I think it's been an inspired move by Melbourne Victory to pick this guy up because uh, what he's learnt already in his short coaching career, seniors and youth, he can transport transfer into that and also learn from his mistakes and I know he's a really determined character he's hugely determined to succeed and I think he will be a successful coach down the track 
Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, too soon, certainly, to be elevated to the senior coaching role. Mm. But if you, you know, you do it over again, and of course, yeah. you're a young guy and you get an opportunity, you say yes, but uh, he'll be a better coach second time around. I believe he's going over to doing a lot of work uh, behind the scenes at Barcelona, too, and learning from them. So. Uh, his, uh, his learning curve will be nice and steep and he'll end up being a great coach at the end of it all. We'll continue to talk the world game. Of course, we have Carlos Alberto Diego. He's in the studio. We're taking your calls, 9429-1116. We're talking the world game. Carlos Alberto Diego is the king of SEN Towers here <laughs> while I am broadcasting live from Huntingdale Golf Course for the 2015 Victorian PGA, hosted by SEN and Mercedes-Benz Truck and Bus. Just been uh, notified the new at the moment, Carlos, that in the Teams event, that I'm sitting in 83rd position, <laughs> which I'm pleased that I've made the top 100, and uh, I'm, a, I'm three away from 82nd. I'm in the clubhouse. So You're I need well placed. Beautifully placed, yes. ready to really launch tomorrow. <laughs> ready to launch a little light Melbourne victory. They, they are going to give this thing a, a real shake this year. Yeah, looking fantastic. And as I said uh, before the break, I thought that they were probably second gear against Melbourne City, uh, really up for that game. They had a little bit of revenge uh, from the previous derby game where they were a little bit disappointing. And uh, really, they have three-pronged attack, and there's nothing better than three prongs, uh, Riccinio. Oh, oh, hello. Uh, they've got uh, Barbarousas, they've got Borussia, and also uh, Ben Kalfala, uh, who, uh, let me just say, the recruiter of the season, what a fantastic player he is, keeping Archie Thompson out of, the, out of the team at the moment. And when I say keeping out, they're, they're rotating him nicely. Archie came on late in the game, and uh, they're resting the, the, the golden legs of Archie too. So uh, just they've got goals galore in those guys, and they can rip teams apart, especially on the counter, on the counter attack. And uh, I know Barbarous is a, is a player that hasn't always uh, engendered the support of Melbourne Victory fans. Uh, I thought he was one of the best players in the competition early on this season. Fell away a little bit, but he's back in town. I thought he was the man of the match on the weekend. So uh, Victory looking good. They're in well placed behind uh, Perth at the moment. One point behind Perth. And Perth are going through a little bit of a, uh, a funny stage right now. They lost 3-1 at home to uh, Sydney uh, against nine men. Uh, of Sydney last uh, last weekend. So uh, they might be going through a little bit of a bad patch coming soon too. So Melbourne Victory are really well placed and well, really well coached by Kevin Musket at the moment. Yeah, isn't he gone to a whole different level? Mm. There wasn't. It seems like only yesterday that uh, all of the Victory fans were calling for his head and he's not up to it, <laughs> replacing Ange, but uh, they were big shoes to fill. But he had to, you know what? He had to do it his way and it took a little time to get the team that he wanted and uh, to, to be embedded in there. So... Um, He's going fantastically. Give us the update also on both uh, Newcastle Jets and also West Sydney Wanderers who posted their first win of the season on Sunday versus Wellington. Yeah, I mean, those people who are surprised, who aren't football followers and are saying, what are we saying about West Sydney Wanderers? Weren't they the, the crew that actually won the Asian Champions League? Correct. I mean, again, that was on Channel 9. That, yeah, anyone who doesn't know about football would have seen that in the mainstream media, that there's an Australian team won the Asian Champions League. And now we're talking about them winning their first game of the season. It's been unbelievable contrast between the two performances. Uh, and, uh, look, they did it against Wellington uh, 2-0 on the weekend. Uh, I don't know whether... I mean, I think they... I, didn't, I haven't worked it out mathematically. I think they, they still think mathematically they're going to make the finals. I thought you were a numbers man. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, yeah, but not when it comes to quick mathematics. Okay, uh, sure, 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 sure. I need a calculator, mate. So, okay, uh, so no worries. But... Uh, 
Yeah, I don't think they'll make the finals. They've left it too too late, and they're not playing particularly great football in the win on the weekend either. So uh, they did enough to win. There was three points they needed, and see what they go for a run. But uh, Newcastle Jets, uh, of course, they're the ones uh, that sacked five players a couple of weeks ago. Nathan Tinkler uh, sacked the five players. Uh, three of them are in their last year of the contract, so they're just sort of trying to negotiate their uh, payout clause and also make sure that their outstanding superannuation's paid right. because there's a whole sack of money missing there. And uh, and uh, David Carney's an interesting one. He's the one who was sacked rather than just uh, asked to leave mm-hmm. and uh, because of breaches of uh, club protocol or whatever it is. Well, what does that mean? Translate it for us. Well, yeah. Well, according to Nathan Tinkler and, and the people at Newcastle Jets, that he, uh, he brought the name of the club into disrepute on what more did, than one occasion. Uh, what did he do? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Come on. It's all allegations. I'm not sure. Uh, it's all, all very much in-house. But the funny thing is, that uh, that you, to be sacked in the PFA, con- the collective bargaining agreement, to be sacked, you've got to be able to have four breaches. Well, he's only had three and they've sacked him. So, uh, yeah, so they've got to find another breach somewhere <laughs> to make sure that, they, that they've got a case against him. But he's he's uh, launching some sort of legal action too. So it's all ugly, very ugly there at Jets. And seeing the crowd last Friday in their game against Brisbane, it was deplorable, especially after the Asian Cup. It's such a letdown seeing, you know, a couple of thousand turn up there at, uh, at uh, you know, the Jets' uh, yeah. home ground. So, yeah, that's got to be sorted out or, or you know, get rid of him, uh, FFA, get rid of Nathan Tingley and get someone else in there that's going to get the best out of that club. Well, there's been a few sports that have done that, so that's yeah, going uh, to be interesting. Um, just before we leave our home shores and, and after the next break, we'll have a chat about the EPL and so many uh, what's making news over there. When do we get to see the Aussie national team play again? Yeah, in March, we've got the friendly against Germany. It's not on home soil. It's over there in Germany. And uh, I can't, cannot wait. Of course, they're reigning world champions, uh, Germany, and they're going to be fired up on their on their home territory. Even though, ironically, under Holger Ossik, last time we played Germany was in Germany, and we beat them uh, under Holger Ossik uh, 2-1 in the friendly. So... Uh, I think they won't. I think the the Germans will maybe a little bit complacent on that night, and uh, and uh, but I, I want to see Ange Postecoglou's style of play imposed on the world champions. Uh, with yeah. Olga Rossik, we were sitting back, absorbing, not really believing we can win. Under Ange, he's going to have a fight up. Oh yeah, the world champions versus the Asian champions, and see whether we can do one over them. And I and I know we. Uh, I, I was listening to you on the way in. Uh, uh, Richo, uh, the, the way that the team, the way they play their football, yes. it really inspired you. Well, I've heard a lot of people who love their sport, not necessarily football lovers, say the same thing. So that's just going to get better and better. Absolutely. Uh, just on that, uh, Massimo Luongo, mm. throughout the whole tournament, everyone kept saying, oh, you know, he's with Swindon Town. He's going to make so much money. Has there been any offers? And if yes, have Swindon Town accepted? And if not, uh, why not? Well, the transfer window did bring one definite offer from Cardiff City in the championship, and they offered something like anywhere between 3.5 and 5 million pound yep. uh, for him, and that's a really good windfall for Swindon. But they decided not to go, and I'm not sure whether that was Mass's uh, Mass's decision either. Sometimes, I mean, the club can let you go, and you decide not to go, and you're in contract, so you can stay with your club. So, you know, I, I, I sense he's got a little bit of loyalty about him, and uh, yeah. and there's. Uh, and they're they're vying for promotion at Swindon. There's a they're a close knit sort of team, and uh, they love him there. They just think he's fantastic. And also, I think they've made some sort of a, a private agreement with himself and and his and his uh, management team uh, that he can go at the end of the year uh, to the club that he wishes he wants to go to. And, and I think he's a guy that might be even looked at by 
maybe a middle to a lower range EPL club. Uh, yeah. If he because he's still only a young guy, and yeah. uh, but if, he's got a really fantastic reputation. A lot of big clubs are, are looking at him. He did, uh, I believe, have an offer from Turkey, which he he rejected. Uh, I think he's got to stay in England uh, or go to one of the bigger leagues if he wants to improve his football. Okay, so he says, "I'll stay with Swindon. We're a tight unit. I'll get you into. Uh, I'll get you up a division. Yep. But then at the end of that year, please, can I uh, make my way out of here and uh, start to." make the big bucks that we know that he's capable of doing. And also, just quickly before we leave the national team, Robbie Cruz yeah. off the SMS. An update in regards to that injury? Uh, we all thought it was an Achilles that he that he snapped, yeah. and that's we know how bad that oh, is. Oh, that's, that's, that's a year. That's 12 to 18 months yeah. sometimes, and who knows how good you come back from that. But uh, he uh, his ankle was a serious ankle injury. He's out for the rest of the season, uh, the German season, but apparently will be ready for the next season. So it's not as bad as we thought. Uh, and that's uh, that's great for Robbie because out of the two options, obviously you want to be back as soon as possible. He's really important to us and he was just coming back to some good form. Fantastic. Uh, stick with us right here on 1116 SEN. It's Melbourne's home of sport and it's Melbourne's home of the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. Just giving you an update uh, live here from the Huntingdale Golf Course for the 2015 Victorian PGA hosted by SEN and Mercedes-Benz Truck and Bus. 83rd watch is what we're hashtag 83rd watch who's going to come last in the team's event and I'm sitting firmly in last at the moment and uh, three shots clear in that particular area so uh, that's disappointing I'm hoping someone implies we need the wind to really get up here for this uh, back nine see if we can really get the boys under a bit of pressure I've just seen the king of Moomba Shane Warne tee off Uh, Carlos Alberto Diego is at SEN Towers (laughs) talking all things the world game Let's make our way over to the UK. What's making news in the EPL? Well, all the Liverpool uh, supporters are up and about it. The, this today, uh, uh, Richinio, uh, they a great win over the overnight against uh, Tottenham Hotspur, three-two, uh, with Mario Balotelli, the much maligned Italian who uh, has been at the club, a sixteen million pound transfer when no one wanted him. Brendan Rodgers took a big chance on him at the start of the season. He came in and has done nothing, <laughs> basically. Right. And uh, but he got the winner today. He came on as a sub, so uh, that's a great win. And, and Liverpool have gone on a bit of an unbeaten run for about seven games, I think, seven or eight games now, and uh, and uh, they, you know, they're piecing it together. Sturridge is back in the uh, in the team. Uh, uh, gun forward who um, who uh, was one of their stars when Sanchez was there, but he's been injured for a lot of the season. Back in the last couple of weeks, and he's scoring. And uh, of course, uh, Raheem Sterling's in form at the moment, and, and with Balotelli, uh, I know off the SMS they're asking the question: Can they make the top four? Of course they can. Uh, right. They've got Manchester United above them who aren't setting the world on fire and Tottenham sort of win handsomely one week against Arsenal and then they drop points uh, inexplicably another week. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool are, are a chance, especially now with Sturridge back. I think he can score goals and Raheem Sterling is playing some really good football too. So they're a big chance. It's the best they've played since they made the, the courageous decision to let go of one of the most uh, in-demand players and the man that was the star of the organisation. Yeah, way too... I mean, you're talking about Luis Suarez Correct. there, uh, Richo. and uh, you know, just I know he I know he took a bite out of someone's ear in the World Cup and all that, and he's got history and all <laughs> that sort of stuff. What's a bite out of someone's yeah. ear? Well, I mean, it, it, look, it's not that he it's not that they hadn't gone through all that before, you know, and yeah. uh, and they, I just thought that they let him go too easily to Barcelona, and he's had a hard time of it at Barcelona, and I think he just would have gone to another level at Liverpool and taken really deep into the Champions League. Uh, and I know people say, "Oh, what about the values of sport and sportsmanship and all that sort of stuff?" I think sometimes clubs uh, they make the stand, 
That's uh, right. And, uh, you know, I think they really turned Luis Suarez around when they actually refused to bow to his demands to leave the year before. When yep. you remember he was at the MCG and he was sulking the whole That's time. That's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, they just refused to bow to his demands then. And I think that made him a better player because he had to sort of fight through that, make the team become one of the best players in the world. Uh, so I thought he just would have just flourished further. At Liverpool, I know when Barcelona come knocking, you, you've got to go. But uh, he hasn't had a great time of over there. So, um, yeah, I, I let him go too easily for mine. But uh, but that's okay. Look, they're, they're rebuilding now. And uh, they still haven't got anyone to replace him completely. But they've got a couple of young guys in Sturridge and, uh, and Sterling that I think might get him to uh, not a bad position in the top four this season. I don't know. Have you got the results right there at uh, at your fingertips? Because yes. a couple of people on the SMS is wanting to know just a quick snapshot of the results, including QPR, their first away win of the year, says Krazza. Yeah, it's amazing. Harry Redknapp had to resign last week because he's got to have a knee operation. So he's a guy that uh, may have been the reason why. Right. <laughs> his, his absence uh, may have been the reason why they won their first game away against the Black Cats and uh, Sunderland. I think uh, the Ox will be very disappointed with that. But uh, we've We've got Arsenal who won 2-1. There was a bit of a shaky win in the end against Leicester with Mark Swartzer in goal. Hull City in the relegation battle, uh, 2-0 winners over Aston Villa. And, of course, uh, Sunderland uh, 2-0 uh, losers at home to QPR. And, of course, Liverpool 3-2 winners at Tottenham. So uh, they're the four games. I think there'll be some more games tomorrow morning. So, uh, yeah, midweek games. It's always good to follow the EPL even during the uh, midweek uh, rounds. Take a big breath, my friend. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back and sum up uh, a big hour of the... World Game with Carlos Alberto Diego.